good morning, church. Hopefully everyone's doing well today. Christian and I went out and saw, and Tara saw the fall colors this weekend, and it was very, very nice. So, all right. Um, we are in a new series, uh, again, about facing our issues and our, our struggles in life. And uh, as I said earlier, I, I struggle with preaching on this because God makes me live through the sermons as I go through them. So, I'm going to do a wonderful thing and invite you to join me to live through the sermons, not just here, but in life application as we go out of here and, and think about dealing with the struggles and issues in life that we face. So I recently read an article about uh, a woman that wrote an article. It was called The Top 10 Life Mistakes That Make Us Struggle Most. And the author had written an article several years earlier called my 52 mistakes that she was talking about the things in her life that she had done that had just caused her pain and trouble the things that she had regretted and the things that just spun out of control well as she did that my 52 mistakes it was amazing because the letters began to pour in uh, with other people that could relate with her experiences that looking in the rearview mirror of life, they're like, man, I wish I would have just made a better decision. I wish I would have done something different because now I'm struggling with this issue and I just don't like it. Some of the people called them issues. Some called them learning mis mistakes. Some called them experiences. And others in the letters, I guess, had names for those things in the past that we just can't say in church. But the author took an interesting approach as she wrote the new article, the 10, top 10 life mistakes that make us struggle most. She wrote the article after all these letters poured in and she read them over and over again. And she read through her first article again and, it, and realized that there was still time in life to do something about these issues. She still had the ability to handle these things and to take her points of pain and turn them into points of success. And what she realized in this whole process and the time in between the first article and the second article was that really the only thing stopping her from dealing with her issues was who? Herself. Herself. She came to the realization that the issues that she was currently struggling from where it was not because of other people. Now we get in that, we have family and friends and neighbors that just cause us pain, right? I mean, we love them, but they just make our life miserable. And she realized it's really not them. She realized it really wasn't the government that was making her miserable. It wasn't even her circumstances. And it wasn't her parents. Remember, you know, you go into the, the psychologist, it's like, well, tell us about your growing up. She realized, her issues and struggles were not the fault of her parents. And it wasn't even the fault of the church or God for that aspect. It wasn't her neighbors. The real challenge with dealing with her issues and overcoming them or staying in them was herself and her own outlook on life. And so in between the articles, she decided to make a change she decided to take away all the excuses to stop blaming people to really take a hard look at what she was struggling through and why and find a way to get out of it now it's an interesting story isn't it but as i'm sharing it does that ever ping close to home as you're hearing that 
as you're thinking, well, I have these things I should be dealing with, but reality is I don't want to because I don't want to face them, right? Can, are you familiar with that? Does that hit home that it's like, there's just things in my life that I just rather pretend they don't exist and not <laughs> deal with them. Well, what we need to realize as Christians is that although this woman did not have Christ in her life, she was not a Christian as far as I know, she was able to say, the issue is really me and what I choose to do or not do in dealing with my issues. And she overcame all of them. As Christians, well, we have a leg up on the matter because we have the Holy Spirit who is called the helper that dwells within us to help us to overcome. We have an extra advantage. And with that, in Christ, not necessarily on our own power, but in the strength and the name of Christ, we can take away the fear. We can take away the excuses. We can take away blaming others. Right? That's probably one of our favorites, right? Well, if it wasn't for so-and-so, or do you know what they did to me? It's like, no, this is you. We can stop living in the past, the rearview mirror of life, and start looking forward in the front windshield. We can eliminate, eliminate the can'ts and won'ts into, I can, and I will. And in the power of Jesus and the enabling of the Holy Spirit, we can do something about our life and the issues we struggle with, right? It confronts me that when Jesus restored the relationship with Peter, remember good old Apostle Peter, you know, very sporadic right out there. He's with Jesus just before all the turmoil happened and, and the, the torture and the cross and the crucifixion. You know, and bold Peter comes out and says, I will never fail you. I would even die for you. And Jesus simply says, buddy, before the rooster crows three times in the morning, or before the rooster crows in the morning, you're gonna fail me three times. And Peter's like, no way, I'll die for you. And in the course of a few short hours, after three years of being with Jesus, in just a short amount of time, what does Peter do? He fails Jesus miserably. He actually denies Jesus and goes back to his old fisherman life of swearing and that attitude and later on jesus does a beautiful thing because he restores peter back into the relationship then there is when jesus speaks through matthew in the great commission and he speaks to him about the issues in his life and as i look at these two and other people in the bible that jesus would confront them with their issues i find that there are two constants in all of these stories as you and I read through the Old and New Testament, do you know what they are? To go and to do. In the Great Commission in Matthew, Jesus says, go to where? To all the ends of the earth. And what? Do. Preach the gospel. When Jesus restores Peter, he says, now go and feed my sheep. In my sheep. God's call to us is to go and what? Do in his name. He restores us back to a right relationship, but as Christians, we should all just get bumper stickers and put them on our back that just say, go and do, because that's what we're supposed to do, isn't it? 
Once you come to salvation, go forth in sanctification and transformation and preach and teach and fellowship and study and seek God. Go and do. And that's really the basis of our sermon series that when we get stuck in our fears, when we get stuck in our life, when we get stuck in our attitude of, I just can't, I won't, I don't want to, we stop going and doing. The other thing I love about Jesus through his entire ministry is when you read in the New Testament, Jesus was always on the move. He would stop in a place for a little bit, but then he would be on the move. He was always going to a different town, to a different people. And that's what we're to do as Christians is to be on the move, not to become stagnant and stuck in our own place of self-pity. But it's easy to do that, isn't it? I mean, it's so easy just to stop and be like, woe is me. And Jesus says, no, you got to get up and go and do. You have to get up and go forth and live the life I've called you to live. And here's that life that Jesus calls us to live. Do you know in the Bible, it is stated 365 times, and theologians like to joke about this because it's like one for every day, is the statement, do not what? Fear. Jesus gives us one statement, do not fear for every single day of the year, including leap year. Isn't that awesome? He even covers the leap year. 35 times in the Bible, we are commanded, not called, but commanded to overcome. We are called a new creation. We are called ambassadors for Christ. We are called victors, sons and daughters of God, sons and daughters of the King, inheritors of heaven, sanctified, a work in progress, justified, forgiven, abundant, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, and disciples, and on and on and on. The one thing about these words that stands out are they are going and doing words, and they are overcoming words, right? They are victory words. They're not losing words. They're words that state a purpose that you and I as a Christian can do, can overcome can be holy and set apart. We read the verse this morning, which I love this verse. This is the one you ought to highlight in your Bible because it's so encouraging that when you get down, go back and read this verse. When you have a bad day, go back and read this verse and then live the verse. Philippians 1, verse 6 and 7 state this. As the Apostle Paul is speaking, he says, For I am confident. Now, when you're confident, what kind of attitude does that state? good. You have no doubt, no worries, no concern whatsoever. There is no other choice. I am confident of this very thing. I'm confident of this one thing that he who began a repair job in you, is that what it says? No. He who began what? A good work, where? In you, will do what? He will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Did you catch what's all in that, those simple two verses? That we are confident as Christians in salvation, in the hands of God. We are confident that God will continue to work in you and I without a shadow of a doubt in the good work, the good thing that he instilled in us and he will perfect us until the day of his return or we meet him face to face in glory. 
Isn't that really a good verse? How can we read that word, that verse, and claim to live it and be Christians and be like, oh, right? That just, that's like oil and water, right? It just doesn't mix. Christians, this is what the Bible states that God is doing in you and I. That God has called us and created in us a good work, a good thing. And he's working in your life and my life in the background to perfect it, to make it complete, to make it whole, to make it 100% the way it's supposed to be until we see Jesus. The question is, what are we going to do on our part? It's almost the imagery of a coach and a player. And the coach is sitting there going, you can do it. You can, you can take this. You can win this. You, you can go out and do this battle. And I know you may be tired and, you know, maybe hurting a little bit, a little sore, but you can win this. And we're sitting there going, I can't. It's, I'm done. I, I can't do this. That's a bad image, isn't it? What really happens, and this is where especially guys love all the, like the Rocky movies and the other movies, is the coach is saying, you can do it, you can, you can do it. And they're going, yeah, yeah, I can. I can go one more round. I can go push five more feet. I can do one more basket. I, I can. I've got it in me. And that's what this verse in Philippians is telling us, that God, like the coach is sitting there going, you can overcome this. You can face this and deal with it. And you can be victorious. And what should our response be? <laughs> Yeah, God, and you, I can. I can. I can go and do. I, 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 can, I can do one more day, Lord. I, I, can, I can witness one more time. I can, I can work through the struggle. I can overcome this temptation. I can deal with this issue in my life because you're in my corner and you're encouraging me on. And God, I know one thing. You will not fail me ever. And so, Lord, if you're in my corner, if you got my back, I can do this. There's the old saying, it says, success is failure turned inside out, right? Have you heard that? So why don't we succeed then? Why do we struggle as Christians? Well, I think we fall into the temptation trap that we allow fear, doubt, past failure to rule over our lives instead of faith in God right? Isn't that what drags us down? I mean, so many people are, are stuck in the past. And when you're looking backwards, you're going to bump into things when you go forward, right? Because you're not looking forward. So many people have been hurt or wounded, and they just can't seem to get beyond that. But then we go back to that verse in, first, in, in, in Philippians 1, 6, and what does it say? Hey, God's working in your life. You can do this. And it's a good thing. And God's going to perfect you. You just got to go and do. You got to go and do. So this morning and over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to call us to claim this verse in, first, in Philippians 1.6. To know without a shadow of doubt, with all confidence, that you are confident of this very thing, that God is working in you in a good way, and he's going to perfect you until the day that you meet with him. And in doing that, with him in our background, with, with Jesus in our corner, and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, we are going to face our life issues. We're going to face our fears. We're going to overcome our past and put it in the past where it should be and stay. And we're going to be empowered by God 
to live victorious lives. Sound like a good thing? Well, we don't like the facing the issues part, right? But we love the end result. And that's where we have to keep our focuses on the end result. When you're an athlete, let's say a marathon runner, do you think the marathon runner, as they're going along, thinks about every single step they're doing? Where is their focus? It's at the end of the race, going through the line, the tape to be victorious. They can't necessarily focus on just right here and now. They've got to keep pushing through the pain, pushing through the struggles, pushing through each step to say, my goal is down the road. Doesn't Paul say, run the good, what, race? For the upward call of Christ Jesus, run the good race. So we go out and we run and we keep running saying, when I get to the finish line, then I'll be done, but I can't stop until then. I've got to keep pushing through. Yeah, God says trials and tribulations and struggles will come, but God also says this day will pass, right? And there'll be a new day. We have to keep going and pushing forward. So let's dig in and see what we've got. We'll be in 1 Corinthians 12 if you want to turn there, and then Acts 20 and 2 Corinthians 5. The first issue that we need to struggle with to deal with the issues that are facing us, the attitudes, the prevailing attitudes of fear and doubt and failure in the past is this. We need to comprehend what we are capable of. You need to know what you can do. Because when we get burdened down by fear and doubt and failure in the past, you know what two words we become really good at? I can't. I can't. Which should really be translated as, I won't. Right? Because God says you can. You can. We need to realize, again, what we are fully capable of in Christ. Because here's the encouragement today. Do you know that when Jesus creates something, he doesn't make junk? He doesn't make junk. He doesn't make failures. In fact, he takes failures and turns them into successes. That's what Jesus is really good at. Taking us as a project and making us whole and complete. To have that abundant life, that victorious life. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14 tells us this. For the body is not one member, but many. In other words, the church is made up of a lot of different pieces people and God made us that way because we are to interlock with one another to make the church complete because we are unique we are individual it's like the jigsaw puzzle we fit a specific place in that puzzle to make it whole and when we all come together with the giftedness that God has called us to do and use that giftedness knowing that God is working in us and through us then the puzzle becomes complete the little Vacation Bible School song says, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red, brown, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And it, images, or it gives the, the symbolism of the church that Jesus calls us to come together with our uniqueness, different from one another, learning where we fit in that puzzle piece. But I do guarantee you this, you have a place that God has ordained for you in the fellowship. And it's only a place that you can 
fit. For the guys, if you're a mechanic, I, I've, I've been told this because I'm not a mechanic, as my wife can, can attest to. That use duct tape so I use well. duct tape really well, man. It's the number one tool in the world. Duct tape, yep, that baby. It can even go on an RV tire and get me from Tooele back into Salt Lake City, amazingly. If you're a mechanic, you get that snap-on truck that comes around all the time, right? Do you know why that snap-on truck comes around all the time? Because vehicle manufacturers make new vehicles and they make specialty screws and bolts and things that need new specific tools. And you can't fix things, unless you got duct tape, without those specific tools. So mechanics are always adding to their, their mix, right? I remember years ago working, wasn't a good job for me, but I sold tools and parts like that. I remember going into one of the dealerships down, downtown and there was a tow truck in there and I'm like, what is there? What is they? What are they doing? And I'm like, well, the guy is going to a different job, so he's got all of his tool bins that are so heavy and so massive and so big. They had to pull them on the tow truck to move them because he had these massive tool bins, because he had a tool for each specific thing. You've got to have the right tool to fix things, right? And in the churches we come in with what we are capable of, God has ordained you and me to fit a specific place in the church. A specific place in people's lives. You know, I learned this with being a grandpa that this is becoming even more important because Christy and I play different roles in the grandparenthood of our grandchildren. They go to Nani for some things, they go to Papa for other things, right? And even at a young age, they know which role we fit. But when we do it together, you know what happens? Things work and the grandkids are tremendously blessed. Because I'm not jealous of Christy's role and she's not jealous of my role. We each know we have specific roles to play. And when we do that, our grandparenting works really well. We are capable because God has made you specific, unique, different from others, and that's really a good thing. I mean, we always think, well, if everybody was like me, it'd be a wonderful place, right? I mean, Christy, yeah, Laura's going, oh no, <laughs> not like that. Christy can relate with you because when, our, when we had all of our boys, I had a little pride issue that I wanted each boy to be named John Porter. So we would have had Jeremy John Porter, Austin John Porter, Justin John Porter, Christy John Porter, Kitty John Porter, Puppy John Porter, Tara John Porter. And Christy's like, no, we are not doing that. That was probably a, a good thing. If we were all the same, it would be the most boring place in the world, right? Right? Tara's going, well, if you were all like me, it might be a really nice place. <laughs> We are created different because it gives us beauty. When we went for the hike yesterday up in the mountains to see the fall leaves, we loved the yellow on the aspen and the acorns had the red and the orange and then the pine trees had the green. And it was beautiful because they were different. Even the shades of yellows and oranges and reds were different shades. Some were super bright, some of them were dull, but when you put it all together in that, in that that masterpiece picture of nature that God changes constantly, it was absolutely beautiful. God wants us to know that we are fully capable with the empowering of the Holy Spirit, that we have a specific purposeful place to live 
in the church and in the lives of other people, in the lives of those that we intersect with, and that's what we were made and designed for. Acts 20, verse 7, and then 2 Corinthians 5. Acts 20, verse 7 tells us this as Paul is speaking again. He says, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. In other words, Paul says, not only is he confident in Philippians, he says, I didn't hold back from telling you the whole purpose of God's working in your life. In fact, you're looking at a picture about this big, but the picture is really this big of what God wants to do in you. You are fully functional, and not only are you functional, you are purposeful, and you are created for great things in the kingdom of God. We read this in 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 5 to 10. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose in God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge, therefore being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight, we are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body, to be home with the Lord, Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Do you hear the confident, purposeful words in those verses? We were prepared. God didn't just throw a bunch of things together and mix it up and say, well, I hope that'll work right? The Bible tells us that while we were yet in our mother's womb, God molded us and created us. And I like to think he put his fingerprints upon us, but he created us unique. Even from that point, he prepared us and then he prepared a ministry and a purpose in life for us. He gave us the Holy Spirit as a pledge. And he says, be of good courage. Going back to that being confident of this very thing, that he who began a work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He says, be of good courage. And once again, when we get stuck in our fears and our doubts in the rearview mirrors of life, we're not of good courage, are we? And that's where, as we sang this morning, that Christ is the lifter of our head. And he says, I give you the Holy Spirit. I've empowered you. I've made you for a specific reason to intersect with the people in life and let your light shine. And as the Bible says, a light set upon the hill should not be what? Covered or dampened. Let it shine. Radiate who God has created you to be and be confident about this because God is at work in you. We have to realize what we're capable of in Christ. Purposeful, ordained, intent, needed overcomers, victorious. Those are all proactive, good words. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make clones. We are fully capable of going and doing. So we have to take our words, I can't, and turn them into, I will, in Jesus Christ. Second thing is, as we go through this series, is we need to realize in some of those changes, once we realize what we are capable of and how important you really are, no matter what station of life you're in, no matter what city you live in, 
no matter what abilities you don't you do or don't have, once you realize what you are capable of in Christ, we need to realize that one of the first changes sometimes we need to do is stop associating and trusting with the wrong people. There's no question that the people in our lives influence us for good or for bad, right? They do, whether they're at work, whether they're at home, whether they're in our neighborhood, whether or not we just choose to hang around them. Those people will influence our lives for good or bad. Have you had that happen in your life? Have you had people that really encouraged you on and, and made an impact? And you look back and you're like, man, they, I'm so glad God put them in my life. And you still remember the life lessons that they help you to learn and to overcome. And then there's the other people. You know, those that you hung out with, and they just brought your life down. They were the ones that made the pain and the hurt that we get stuck in. And the Bible gives the implication that you need to leave those people. You need to stay away from them. And if you see them coming, you got to go the other way. And sometimes that's a hard decision, right? Because we're like, well, I want to be with them, right? They're fun to be around. Well, yeah, sin's even good for a season, and then comes accountability, right? And then it's not so fun. God says, I want to save you from that pain. I want you to be around people that are encouraging you. In fact, doesn't the Bible say, as long as today is called today, do what? Encourage one another. Sharpen one another. Tara and I have a little joke about we're learning knife skills together. So she brought over her Cutco knives. A lot of people love Cutco knives. She brought them over. She goes, this thing is really dull. And so we sharpened it. And now it slices through a tomato like a Ginsu knife. It's really cool, right? We should do a commercial. But one of the things we were doing was when she would cut, she would put push straight down. And you know what that does on a knife? It dulls the blade. You know what you have to do to a knife to keep it sharp and functional? You have movement. And so Tara and I joke, she was like, look, John, I've got movement going on. She's slicing tomatoes, and we're having slave labor with her over at our house, making her help cook and prep for us, right? But it's kind of a fun thing because not only is it fun, but we're encouraging, but now the knife stays sharp. And that's what we are called to do as Christians, is to encourage one another we're not to be around people that don't respect us, that don't honor us, that encourage us to do things that are not godly, to be in places we should not be. We're not to be around people that, I mean, they just bring us down and tell us how stupid and dumb we are and how they don't like us and all this stuff. Even if they're family. And that's a really hard one, right? True story, I have a brother and sister. Actually, I have several. But I have a brother and sister that we grew up together, but we don't associate together. I love them. I pray for them. I pray for their salvation every day. But we have such different lifestyles that we are not mixable. And so along the way, as much as it hurts and painful, I've had to make the decision not to be so much in their lives because the things that they do are not lining up with God and even the law of the land. And when I'm with them, 
I find myself doing things that I probably shouldn't be doing, right? And so we've had to make that separation. Proverbs 20, verse 19, the first part of the verse. Proverbs 20, then Proverbs 22, and then Proverbs 24. So just go to Proverbs. How's that? Proverbs 20, verse 19, the first part of it says, Therefore, and again, as we know in Wasatch Christian Church, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, what do you do? Find out what it's there for. And the reason it's there for, it says, Therefore, do not, negative command, associate with a gossip. Got gossips in your life? Got to cut them off. Proverbs 24, or 22, 24. Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. That's the kind of guy that anything just sets him off, right? Because that's not a good place to be. In the NIV, in Proverbs 24, 21, it says, Fear the Lord and the King, my son, and do not, again, negative command, join with the rebellious. Do not join with the rebellious. Second Corinthians or Second Thessalonians three. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of him. Do not again another negative command. Do not associate with him, in order that he may feel ashamed. Second Corinthians six fourteen seventeen. Do not, again, negative command, do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. We talk about when Christ intervenes in our life, when we come to that salvation, that submissive moment before Christ, and our old life is gone, and our new life is established in Christ, that we are made holy. Holy means to be what? Set apart for glory, for honor. 1 Corinthians 15. Got your fingers worked today, huh? 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says this. Do not, again, another negative command. Man, all the negative commands have to do with these negative people, right? Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought to and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. Is it going to cost you in the short term to break a relationship of bad company? Yeah, you'll probably hear some words, and well, you're a little holy roller, you're better than me, and all this kind of stuff. But it will cost you more in the long run if you don't. Those toxic people in our lives that, again, they don't respect us, they don't honor us, they don't encourage us. They're always speaking negative, bad things to us. They're telling us things that we're not capable, we're stupid, we're ugly, or whatever it is, you know. We've got to cut them out of our lives. Because that's not where God says we need to be. Now, we're still to go out and be around sinners and preach the gospel. Jesus went to the immoral, to the sick, to the lame, to the rebel rousers, but he didn't stay with them and he didn't do what they did, right? He went to them and he shared the gospel. He offered them a choice and then it was up to them and then he would move on. Do you know that Jesus walked away from a lot of people in the Bible? He just walked away from them. 
a lot weren't healed, a lot weren't saved, a lot weren't restored back to the right relationship with God. With God. And Jesus said, here, I'm going and doing, I'm giving you an option, but you choose. And if you don't choose my Father's way, well, then i got to move on. But then there were others. The restoration of Peter, the Great Commission and the end of Matthew, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, they came and they heard the message of Jesus and they responded. And not only was their life changed, but what other lives were changed? All those around them. I love the story of the woman at the well because not only does she come to salvation, an entire town comes to salvation. And here we're in the, the Samaritan city. Jesus has to stop and stay with his disciples two more days because they won't let him leave because they want to hear about the gospel message. What a cool thing, right? This woman realized that what she was doing was wrong. Jesus confronted her sin. He gives her an option to have living water. And she can't contain herself and goes back and tells the whole city. And they become spiritually thirsty and accept the goodness of God themselves also. One poignant, non-clean thing in the Jewish mind of an interaction between Jesus and an outcast woman turns into an entire town of salvation. How cool is that? Because she's chose, as, the, as we read, to come out of her sin and to come into the way of Christ. And I'm guessing the Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm guessing because of that transformation in her life, that the man that she was living with that was not her husband, right? They either got married or she moved out. Wouldn't you think that's a fair statement? Because now she was in God. She had to make a change. Either make it right or walk away. And in our lives, we are called to come out and be separate, to be holy. And as, as the Bible tells us, don't be with other unbelievers. Don't be with those who corrupt good morals. Don't be with those who constantly push you emotionally or spiritually down. And there's a lot of those people, isn't there? We are called to be with those who encourage us, who respect us, who honor us, who love all good things. So as we close up, let's do this this morning. Let's be honest. The issues that we are struggling with are not the result of other people. Now the world will say, oh yeah, it's your parents, it's your circumstances, your job. But when it comes into Christ, we've got to strip those excuses away and say, you know what? God has called me good things. The Bible tells me that God is working in me to overcome and to do a good work until I'm perfected. God speaks to me through the Apostle Paul and says, be of good courage and be confident. Well, that's something that's lacking in our society desperately today, isn't it? We dread so many things. And God is saying, no. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High King. You are an overcomer. You are my ambassador. You are a victor. Be confident. I created you for a purpose. Know your abilities. But you're not junk. You're not a mistake. You're not a has-been. You're not a can't-doer. You are a doer. 
and start making the separations that we got to do. So this morning we choose to own the issues we have in our life, right? And not only do we choose to own the issues and stop blaming others and stop blaming circumstances and just stop saying, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Start believing the word of God and who you are and what God is doing in you and what he wants to do through you like the woman at the well. Can you imagine the Jewish Pharisees of the time? Isn't this a funny story? Because they're holy and righteous, and you wouldn't talk to that woman because, well, you know, she's kind of an outcast, and we know about her lifestyle, and we can't talk with her, and we don't even go there because that makes us unclean. And to realize, because that one conversation, an entire town comes to salvation, don't you think they were a little taken back by that? Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that one coming. Well, of course you didn't, because your eyes are on laws and legalism not on the power of Christ and what he can do in and through you. I want you to imagine just for a moment as we own our issues and we take responsibility for them, that you and I are like that woman at the well and we have an interaction, a conversation with Christ and he offers us living water and we respond and we go back, we change our lifestyle. Whoa, what could happen? Think of the people that you intersect with right now in your life. Think of the financial issues, the emotional issues, spiritual issues. Think of what God can do in you if you become confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ's return and be of good courage. Think of what he can do in you. Is that a nice place to be? Absolutely. That's actually called the abundant life, right? No fear, no doubt. No, God's going to get me through this. I can do this in Christ. Make me do all things through him. So this morning, the encouragement is let's face our issues, let's own them. And now let's go and do something about them. Let's start believing who we are in Christ and what we're capable of. Let's make the, the relationship decisions we have to make to get rid of that bad company in our lives. Stop saying that's okay because we make those excuses for ourselves, don't we, of why we justify why we should be with them, right? We strip those away and then we go what we do and we start addressing those issues because we are running the good race and we know at the end of the race there's a crown of victory waiting for us, right? We just got to go through and get there. So this week, may God encourage you and bless you and may we walk out knowing this. In 2 Peter 2.19, we read these words that say, For what a man is overcome by, by this is he, he is enslaved. And we are free from the bonds of life that hold us. So we should not be in the slave, slavery, the bonds of sin, right? Because Christ has freed us from those. And if we are freed in Christ, we are freed indeed. <clears throat> And let us go forth this week and live in that freedom in confidence that God is doing a good work in us, that we are overcomers, we are victorious, we are royalty in Christ, not only as adopted, but as heirs in the kingdom of God. God's got some cool things to do in us. This week, we're going to change our attitude and let God begin to do that good work in our lives. Sound good? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the confidence in your word that, Lord, through the struggles and the storms of life, 
we need not fear them because you are with us. And just as you have created the world, you can create those storms. And just as like with, when the apostles were in the boat and you're sleeping, you can say, peace, be still, and you can calm those storms of life. We just need to be with you. We pray, Lord, that you would work in us this week to speak to the issues in our life, to help us stop living in fear and doubt, and to be around those who bring us down, and to be overcomers, and to be confident of who you are and what you're doing in us, knowing that it's a good work until perfection. Lord, we pray that we would glorify you by taking your word and applying it to our lives this week to get out of the past and to move toward the future, to run the good race and to win the good race for your glory. In Jesus' name.